the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Just got the numbers. We're the fastest growing drive time. Chicago Radio. It's been confirmed by my uh, trusty producer who's stabbing. It's a numbers guy. Looks like an accountant. He's got the same personality as one. Anyway, 312-642-5600. One of the things I always loved about uh, our country is that I knew as an Illinoisan, I knew as a victim of the Democrat mafia, that there was a good chance other states didn't have to experience this. I knew as a young kid growing up, I saw what it was all about, right? These fat wannabe gangsters, all they need is a good politician, a nice campaign contribution. And the next thing you know, you get yourself one of those cheesy government contracts. Woo! Winner, winner, chicken dinner. And then that guy gets to pretend he's a... uh, He's a capitalist. He's a businessman. Gets to pretend he's like uh, all those other hardworking Americans who go to work and make something out of their lives. And I saw as this kind of spread throughout the land, I saw this philosophy as it went from Chicago to the suburbs, DuPage County, and before you know it, all of Illinois. But I always had hope that there would be these other states that I had read about where the fundamentals and the principles of Americanism, of constitution, of capitalism, were able to thrive, and those were normally, and, and really they were, the well-run states, the states that were not always bankrupt, the states that didn't always have to come up with new schemes to tax their people into poverty. So even though I, I grew up here and I, you know, I basically lived here for the first 52 years of my life, I always knew that I would one day have the ability to go to a much, much better state. And it kind of was comforting to a certain extent. I also knew that when you're a gangster, how do you think? You think that the the one thing you can never afford is dissidence. The one thing you can never afford is somebody to say, no, I don't want you. I resist what you're trying to do. I will not be extorted. I will not bend knee to your, your attempts to put me into your family, to your organization. Federal government thinks a lot like that mobster, especially when mobster, gangster, Democrats hold power. They do this every time they hold power. And what they try to do is undermine and make it very uncomfortable if you resist, if you will not capitulate. Now, one of the ways that I, um, I, I lost complete faith after this election in the electoral system. I think it is absolutely frauded and rigged. Everybody's entitled to their, their opinion, but I use mine based on f- my whole life paying attention to elections. 
It wasn't only that I had done that throughout the time. I also knew how they were corrupted. Uh, I brought in yesterday my uh, my dear friend's mother's voting card, although she's been dead for 12 years, and how easy it would be to have her vote and fraud the vote. And we all know Chicago, Illinois has been a joke for 100 years. It's a joke. But I still, like I said, I had hopes that those other states might be able to fight it off. After this last election, I noticed that it was mainly these Democrat strongholds where all the skullduggery took place. I also knew all they had to do was get away with it that night. And then what happens is immediately in positions of power, they look to take their power and spread it throughout the country. So they came out with H.R. 1 a few weeks ago and passed the House Congress very easily. I guess in the Senate, it needs 10 senators to vote for, 10 Republican senators. It needs some bipartisanship. So it, it has some some kind of hurdle to to uh, pass. I think it'll pass. I think even um, Republicans can be bought and sold. But then again, I'm from Illinois. You know, the only thing worse than an Illinois Democrat politician is a Republican like Kinzinger, like LaHood, like the rest of the scoundrels out there. Not the LaHood's kid that's in there now, but his father who was bit of a scumbag, and I'll prove it later in the show. Um, so now what they're doing is they're calling it the For the People's Act. So H.R. 1 got enough notoriety and enough pushback from the people that there was started to be some consternation in how it was going to pass. It might not just streamline through the way they like to jam these bills through. So now we're calling it For the People Act. And For the People Act, they're putting lipstick on this pig. They're trying to doctor it up now. And they're trying to say that that states like Georgia that passed laws where they wanted, you know, kind of like the person to be alive when they voted or the signature on the absentee ballot to maybe match or the idea that you couldn't just walk in a place and say, hey, my name is Joe Materaz and I moved here at 11. I'd like to register to vote. And by the way, I'm going to vote Democrat today. They wanted to change that a little bit. So they tightened up some of their rules. See, but the they only did the way the country is supposed to be run. See, when the country was formed. There was an idea that maybe, maybe states should be in control of their own laws. And they wrote in this Constitution about voting specifically, that the state legislatures should control the voting. See, but that doesn't work when you're a mob boss. You cannot run the risk of states wanting to make their elections honest and fair. You need to have that wedge of deception that way in so that you didn't get these holdout states these silly states that don't want to become part of the Democrat mafia. So now we're going to pass these sweeping national bills and undermine the idea of federalism, number one, but also the ability to ever fix the cheat. So this is going to go on in perpetuity. And what will happen is you will be like a citizen who's not in the organized crime we call the Southside Democrat Party living in Madigan's district. And you're just going to have to go along, keep your head down and hope nobody notices you. That's what happens when Soviets run things. That's why these people representing the Democratic Party, as I call them Democrats, the people that are representing it aren't really the Democrats I speak of. They're not the old-fashioned working Democrats like so many of your fathers. These are the new Soviets. They're a lot like the old Soviets, only they they look like pasty white 80-year-old men, and they have Brooks Brothers suits on. That's the only real difference. So Jen Psaki was asked today, and uh, Pisaki is she was Barack Obama's liar of choice. Pisaki, Pisaki, whatever. I call her Pippi Liestocking. Pippi Liestocking was asked today about what happened in Georgia. And early at 5 p.m. Um, and, and you've said and, and some others said that words matter. Um, the, the bill actually uh, 
standardizes voting hours by counties and adds Saturdays and Sundays voting, and it also allows extended hours from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So is there going to be a correction? It standardizes or? the ending of voting every day at 5, right? It just at gives seven, options? 7 to 7 is what it, it gives options to expand it, right? But it standardizes it at 5. See, those options are if your candidate doesn't look like he's doing good at 5, don't worry. We got two hours to get what we want in there, and then the boxes come like they did for the comedian in, in Minnesota, Al Franken, right? Because he was good enough. He was happy enough to get 600 votes in his buddy's trunk of his car, and the next thing you know, the scumbag's a senator. So this is what the liar, Pisaki, Pisaki, whatever, this is what she's really talking about. It also makes it so that uh, outside groups can't provide water or food to people in line, right? See, see, this is water and food to people in line. Now, see, here's the beauty of being part of the Illinois experience to watch how a couple of scumbag union thugs and their co-workers and the municipalities leverage it. Now, see, I always like this part about voting in Illinois, and it'll be the one thing I miss. I loved to go vote in person in the middle of the day, and I would hope that those scumbags that stood right out front, regardless of whatever, how many feet they were supposed to be away, would try to hand you things to vote for their capos. I used to enjoy it when I would see the union morons out there with their signs because I love to go at it with them because I learned a long time ago about these pretend tough guys and these bullies. It's until you look them in the eye and call them out that they start to waver a little bit. See, they're running on a legacy they didn't build. Those men that they think were the tough guys, those were their old man. The kids are just the morons that you see today. So I, I, I personally like that experience. But Jen Psaki understands that that experience, that wins more than it loses when you could intimidate people or maybe there's a guy that's some old lady knows and she grew up with him and he said, oh, I need this for my job so we get more money. So, see, they're trying to wrap that kind of intimidation and extortion into bringing you water and food. And for the Democrats out there who are in on the scam, they just nod their heads. It, it makes it more difficult to absentee vote. Are those things all correct? Voting on the day of is seven to seven. Why should it be so easy to absentee vote? I mean, have, have we ever given any thought to this? Why is it so easy to absentee vote? I mean, if you can't get there, if you're in the hospital, should it be an excuse? Okay, maybe. But should there be a standard to that excuse? See, absentee vote is great if you want to cast a vote from a cemetery like my buddy's mother. She's been absentee voting for a dozen years, and man, oh man, do the Democrats love it. And early voting um, uh, can standardize adding Saturday and Sunday. So my question is, is the tone going to change out of the White House? Or, uh, the yeah. tone for a bill that limits voting access and makes it more difficult for people to engage in voting in Georgia? After she says something, just end it with fraud. No, that's actually not what the, uh, the governor of Georgia has said. Well, I think that is not based in fact what the governor of Georgia has said. So no, our tone is not changing. We have concerns about the specific components of the package, including the fact that it makes it harder and more difficult for people to vote by limiting absentee options, by making it uh, not viable, not possible for people to provide water to people who are in line, by not standardizing longer hours. So if you're making it harder to vote, no, we don't support that. You know what would solve all this? If you had some sort of technology where fingerprints opened up voting cards. But it had to be the fingerprint of the person with the voting card. You know, kind of the way you access every account you have on your cell phone? This way you wouldn't even have to be in there. 
You just tap your little finger. It would be able to tell if it was your fingerprint. And now you could vote anonymously. And if you were able to do that, maybe you could audit the votes. So I wouldn't have to believe that there's enough morons to put this 80-year-old in diapers into the White House. Maybe I just maybe it would be awesome if we could just audit it, wouldn't it? But that wouldn't benefit the frauds out there. And you can't help but notice when one party is pushing constantly to make it easier to cheat. Why do you think that is? I want to know how you change the voting laws. 312-642-5600. I'll be back. I'll take your calls after this. See, I think the reason that I see such a problem here is that I am still amazed over the last 20 years how comfortable politicians are with ruling over a mobocracy. That's why I, I make no, no pretend veiled attempt to tell you the Constitution is going to protect you. This last year proved beyond the shadow of a doubt you're living for somebody else. Everything that the government has done to the American citizen over the last 12 months is in the name of some masked stranger whose whose existence is more important than your own. So this country has now made the philosophical leap to a complete and totalitarian despotism where all you need to do is say you're you're protecting XYZ people and XYZ people need you to sacrifice. They need you to restrain yourself. They need you to live for them. So all you need to do is 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 have a couple of victories in, a, in an electoral system. And all of a sudden you're the, the righteous demigod who gets to rule over the mobocracy. Exactly the opposite of the principles of America. That's why this stuff is so dangerous. That's why it's so important. And that's why, to a certain extent, I feel it's so hopeless. But I want to know how you feel. Mike on the north side, you handsome devil. What's up? Hi, Mike. Did everybody from Melrose Park get paroled on the same day? Boy, lighting candles at Villa Scalabrini must have worked. But I wanted to talk to you about illegal voting. In August of 1990, my grandmother died. Mm -hmm. And that November, I went to vote in in the election. And then I went over to her polling place and uh, told them, take her off the list. Uh-huh. She died. They says, oh, she voted already. I said, how did she vote? She voted absentee last month. Yeah, well, I, I did- said, really? She died. She died two months previous. I said, you know, just to quiz the guy, I said, did she vote straight Democrat or straight Republican? <laughs> he said, straight Democrat. I said, she was a Republican her whole life. She must have had an epiphany after she went up to heaven, huh? Well, you know, here's I the called the state's attorneys. Okay. I, I called the state's attorney's office to complain, but that pumpkin head, Cecil Parti, they didn't care about it. No, and uh, you know, here's the good news. In this new bill, this one that worked its way from two trillion and it's in excess of three trillion, they're going to put polling places in the Queen of Heaven and the other stronghold Democrats. There you go. I mean, at least so you know, at least they're going to make it look like it's legit. And Mike, it's just another story of countless thousands that go on most unnoticed. And that's why I say to yourself, who do you think is going to win the election then, Prignano? Or will it be Salerno? Because they'll have the most votes out of their funeral home. That's very good. I'm rooting for Salerno for other reasons. I happen to love them. They're wonderful people. And by the way, they're Republicans. Let's not get too crazy. Um, This pays off. 
we are in a position all of a sudden where where bills are being passed. They're thousands of pages long. Nobody really read them. And part of what's going on today is you're starting to see what's in this bill. We're going to go through it a little more in depthly over the next half hour. But I want you to understand they've already put out the salesman for it. The salesmen are the heads of these these bureaucracies because that's who really wins in these bills. It isn't you. It isn't anybody you know, even if they think they are. It's the bureaucracies, the strength they gain, and the money they gain. And what they've understood is they don't need economic plans. They need economic time bombs that go off and create other emergencies. They have never made more money. And by when I say made more money, I don't mean they actually made it. They printed it. They have never created more power and spending in the American government's history as they did under COVID. It is the greatest gift to a totalitarian government. They are now beyond reproach. And who gets to stop it? It certainly isn't going to be the Republicans like Adam Kinzinger. Mark, Darian. Hey, I love your show. Good luck. Thank you. Breath of fresh air. I want to relate an incident to uh, voting, and I hate to answer, ask or answer a question with a question, but I have to do it. So the incident is, went to early vote, place I always go, in the neighborhood, slapped down the driver's license so they get the name right and the address right and everything. And the supervisor looked over at the lady at the desk and for my benefit said, you know, somebody can just find a driver's license and vote. You've got to validate this. So by presenting the ID, I was getting schooled, and of course, it was in a school voting place. Nice. <laughs> but ex- extra ID. So the question I've got for you is whether it's Mark Levin or anybody, any of the few never Trumpers left on Fox, uh, everybody's saying, why don't they play fair? They're not playing fair. Wild animals don't play fair. We've got to change our tactic. Why is the question always, why don't they play fair? They won't. They don't have to. Right. Well, I'll tell you, Mark, why? I mean, to play fair, all you have to do is sound like you're being magnanimous. Fair is a four letter word that is very dangerous because it all depends what the person spewing it, what their idea of fair is. You know, is this is anything fair? I, I want to know what the hell has been fair. Pick a pick a topic. Is it is is taxation fair if you're making money? No. Is is our our food stamps fair if you want to make money and want to do better? The way in which they're restrictive where you're actually penalized. Let's say you're one of these people that were born into a welfare system. Now this is the system you you've you've lived under in the system you've learned. They actually are penalizing people who want to work their way out of that because they have no thought process in it as to scale it back as you gain your way out of it. There's no thought process process in it what their intention is is to get more people dependent on that system you know this bill is littered with this kind of thing do you know what amazes me about the bill i don't want to get too uh in depth before 535 but what amazes me in the bill is how it goes to pay off all these electric car companies and all these alternative energy companies and we know as the story broke the the week after the election how much stock nancy pelosi and and other senators bought in companies that are now getting these very billions. And there's no reports on it. In fact, when I have CNN on, you know what's on? The trial for the Minnesota cop, 24 hours on a loop. What's on MSNBC? How many people uh, are coming forward that feel that, yes, Donald Trump incited the insurrection without weapons? It's just the same stuff. Because they don't want to look at their own house. The one thing we do very well, and I'm going to do it even better, is tear apart Republicans. So when you say, how do never Trumpers feel? That's who put this guy in. 
So I, I, I'd like to know, as they go up, as they watch their constituents struggle, as they watch their own powers stripped away, the only beauty here is that congressmen, self-aggrandizing, know-nothing children, frauds like Adam Kinzinger, he's irrelevant under this government that he put in. He doesn't mean anything. All he's looking to do is angle himself for a bigger cutout, a bigger piece of the pie. Tony in Downers Grove. Hey, Sean, a few things, okay? Uh-huh. First, you know, Biden blatantly lying about the Georgia voting bill, and Jen Psaki as well, and now he's done it twice, and nobody's calling him out on it. Well, Fox News, but nobody's calling him out on it, and I don't expect the mainstream media to call him out on it, but they get away with it. That's one. Two, and I know you don't want to talk in detail about the bill, but even reading what the New York Times put out about the bill, the, 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 the first phase and the second phase are riddled with just social programs, uh-huh. funding for those. Yeah. In fact, the second phase, calling it the humanity phase, or the humanity piece, and, the, and, they, and they're quoting progressive uh, econo- economists have, uh, have called it the, the, the writing, just to write the, uh, the wrongs for economic sure. and social issues over the last few decades. Now, here's, here's the thing. We're $6.3 trillion in debt. We're $3.1 uh, trillion in a, as a deficit. We've passed almost $5 trillion in stimulus with $2 trillion or almost Tony, $2 trillion your numbers are way low, tw- brother. Your numbers are way low. Well, we're $28 trillion in debt. In the last year, well, we've printed up $15 trillion. So when you say in a deficit, you're pretending with the $4 trillion economy, but that's if you took every penny. So I understand what you're saying, but the numbers are even worse to to your point of what you're saying. And it's not that, and by the way, thank you, Tony, and I thank you for the call. It's not that I'm not going to talk about the bill. We're going to talk about all of the things that are hidden in it. I just want to do it in a a row as we get in there to see exactly the usurpation of your freedoms in this bill. In this bill, when I get back, we're going to talk about it. It's about unionizing any worker out there who has the strength to not be in a union union or any business owner that doesn't want to employ unions. That's all hidden in this. It's called the PRO Act. We'll discuss that and more when I get back. If you're on the line, stay on the line. You know when I like to listen to this song when I'm in, uh, and I do, I go to South Beach when it's not spring break. I love to have breakfast at this uh, Havana 1955 place. They let me smoke the cigar outside. It's a phenomenal Eggs Benedict. Sure. Love it. That's what it makes me think of as I'm in Illinois, hopelessness. But um, we're going to have to cover this a little different because it's a, it's, a, it's a bigger story than what it seems in this boondoggle of a spending bill. Number one, every sector that receives money has massive, massive, massive lobbying. Every single sector that gets these, these cream puff, this printed up debt, this money, have spent hundreds of millions in lobbying. And I'll tell you what I, what I mean. But it's, it, there's a reason you have to have lobbying under this, this fraud system we call the American economy. Because the politicians have gained so much power, they can crush you without the lobbyists. So it, it, helped, it helped create that so-called swamp. It helped create that pay-to-play scheme. Because somewhere along the lines, government uh, achieved the power of law through regulation and created regulations to crush American manufacturing and American growth. 
So every single time you see these stories, oh, exporting jobs to China, exporting products to Mexico, uh, all these different problems that we pretend are organic have been created by the United States government. Every single one of them, because they're never really interested in making conditions better for workers. They're interested in making conditions perfect for the corrupt unions that pay off the politicians. That's what this is really all about. So I used to love the alternative that the American businessman found, which was to come up with a idea of import-export. That's really what saved the economy. And most of us who are above 50 remember the kind of expense things were when there were only the big three car companies and how much those cars sucked and how terrible it was at that time when you were your parents were making, at the time, $7 an hour, but yet a pair of jeans cost $30. There's a reason that when you go to the store today, those same pair of jeans cost $30. And it isn't because they became better at making jeans. It's because of import-export. And I'm giving you just that one example because it's really a testimony to capitalism and the American businessman who found a way to circumvent a corrupt government that was determined on knuckling under businesses that existed in the country that wouldn't play with their corrupt unions, the labor extortion racket. Okay, so that's how all of this began. In this bill, all of these 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 institutions that have been lobbying for money and buying politicians all get paid off the U.S. chip sector. Now, I remember when this was a massively profitable business. In fact, IBM, massive, massive amounts of money they made from their chip development. It was it took a little time for the government to create regulations to make it not advantageous for IBM to create those chips here in America, so they offshored the business, right? So now that that's a problem, now we got a big problem because now we've figured out that maybe where we're offshoring this business, they don't like us too much. And maybe, by the way, in the technology, they're implanting bugs that are spying on us. So the U.S. chip sector in the Biden giveaway receives $50 billion. As if it wasn't profitable enough, they're going to get $50 billion of government cheese. But that's not my favorite scam, because it's the old scams that often are the best ones. And as we've learned from numerous attempts in California and all of these Democrat strongholds, they're obsessed with high-speed rail. High-speed rail transportation, $620 billion. Now, I also remember that it was Hunter Biden the guy who likes, in, in fact, there's a new article, he smoked crack every 15 minutes, which is astonishing. I don't know much about crack, but I can't imagine it's good for you every 15 minutes. Hunter Biden, since he was 21 years old, sat on the board of Amtrak. It's astonishing to me that um, nobody seems to put this two together. Gee, you think maybe when Amtrak gets, I don't know, say $100 billion, it would be a problem? I think it would be. And they don't want to talk about the fact that what this is really about is taking away companies' rights to operate without bending knee to the corrupt unions. So there's something in there called the PRO Act. Now, doesn't that sound great? The PRO Act. What's the PRO Act? It takes 27 states. I have a clip here. here. You know, uh, Keith, can you make it so I can play the clips there, kid? Thank you. 
So the PRO Act uh, stands for Protect the Right to Organize. And on its face, that seems to be a rather uh, limited application. Uh, you know, we're going to change the rules to make it easier for uh, people to um, engage in collective bargaining, make it easier for them to select a union and have the union bargain on their behalf. Uh, in reality, the bill goes way beyond that. Uh, it, this is the most aggressive and ambitious a menu of changes to federal labor law ever offered by the AFL-CIO. It would overturn over 70 years of precedent. It would give unions extensive economic weapons that they will be able to use against employers in organizing them at the bargaining table and, it, and, and also in striking and picketing uh, employers uh, not only in the construction industry, but beyond. See, now, private sector unions, if they provide a benefit, if they are so popular, then you wouldn't need this bill. But the reality is private sector unions have become very unpopular and have some of the lowest memberships in recorded history since the, the time of unions. But where unions really thrive are in municipalities, because the people who are negotiating those contracts really don't care. They don't pay the money of the cost it's passed on to the taxpayers in fact what they do is they need those union votes so it is the most corrupt space for unions to survive unions though are run by these nefarious crime figures who have figured out that what they need is more political power to to take away the options of the private sector denying their extortion and they get that with democrats it's the reason that the Democrat states with the very strong unions all run at not just a deficit, have a hopeless trajectory. So they need that. But however, there are states out there that have been able to fight this off. And, you know, there was a case, the Janus Act, where they said municipal workers didn't have to be forced into joining a union. Well, it's picked up some steam and it's the biggest threat there is in this bill. The PRO Act negates all that. It not only negates the Janus Act, it takes away the state's rights to make their own rules on this. Here's 10 things the PRO Act will do for workers. One, anti-union... By the way, I should tell you, this is from the AFL-CIO, SCIU, the Communist Union extortion site. So the other one was, was not. I want you to hear how they're telling their members and how they're selling this communism in America. Here's 10 things the PRO Act will do for workers. 1. Anti-union meetings can no longer be required. 90% of employers force their employees to attend anti-union meetings. This will be illegal under the PRO Act. 2. It creates a mediation process. Half of all new unions fail because employers can refuse to negotiate. But the Pro Act- so you can refuse, if you're an employer, say you have a fence company, say you have a, a bricklaying company, say you're a plumbing company, you can refuse to allow them to take over your workers. Under this act, you can't do it anymore. Act ensures a first contract is reached. Three, it effectively ends right to work. 27 states have right to work laws, which are really right to work for less laws. Right to work for less laws. See, what they don't want is workers that have the right to make their own deal for employment. You, I, this, is, this is a subversion of private industry. This is backdoor nationalization of industry. And those unions are the ones that are the very cozy with the with the politicians. They are the ones that pay the politicians to create laws that are, in essence, weapons 
against private sector. That's what this is really about. PRO Act overrides these laws nationally. Fourth, it gives us more labor rights protections. 54% of workers say they are threatened when organizing, and shamefully, one in five are fired. The PRO Act tightens worker protections. Five, it gives workers more power by removing secondary strike prohibitions, disallowing permanent replacement of workers on strike, and banning proactive lockouts. So basically, they take your company over. What this does is to take over the companies so that the unions have the say in how it operates in the cost of its operating. There is no more private businesses under this rule. That's not hyperbole. That's the creeping growth of this cancer in communism we're calling unions. That's what they are. That's why they disincentivize competition and they will do everything in their power to prevent it. I said yesterday, this is the air horn, the starting horn of hyperinflation. When this becomes law, and I think it will, it's going to take another one to take it away. This is entering 50 years of economic darkness. 312-642-5600. Everybody says, oh, you're not, you're a non-union. No, no, no. I'm a non-corruption. Unions that, that I don't even know if they exist. Stoke the right for people to make deals. Aren't trying to kill the very businesses that, that employ their people. You'll have to forgive me, but I, I, I worked in unions. I'm very familiar with how it works. I, I, I never like organizations or groups that don't incentivize achievement, that don't reward it. I've never understood. If you know you're going to make X amount of dollars regardless of your outcome, what's the incentive in doing well? And I also can't help but notice everything they do costs twice as much money and isn't half as productive. And I will definitely use the American car company against it. They're junks, especially compared to non-union cars. It's not even close. And it's that way with the cost of, of, of building a home, which, by the way, that's in this bill, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the American government's in the housing building business now. It's just preposterous, the things that are in here. It's just it's an absolute payoff. And as far as, as, as it's intended... To help people, uh, or to help COVID or help the economy, it's ridiculous how little it actually gets. This is nothing more than a payoff and a scheme to handcuff those people not in this system. That's the only way they win, is if they can, can squash any kind of resistance to the collectivism in it. The idea that we are literally in America in the year 2021 discussing a bill where every rule, every spending agreement, every voting decision is made from Washington, D.C., which is a joke to us. I've said it whenever it comes to the economy. Until K Street is closed down and boarded up, Main Street will be. And that's exactly what happens in this bill. This bill was written by lobbyists. It was written by by banks and campaign contributors. It was written by the very people it benefits, and it explains why they all bought stock months earlier. And the reporters could care less. They're looking to get their ratings back. That's all they care about. They don't care about facts anymore. Reporting in this country is a joke. Mary, Orland Park. Hey, Sean. Love your show. Congratulations. I got to tell you, half the time you make me want to laugh and half the time you make me want to cry. That's what every woman I ever Um, dated said. Go ahead. Well, I don't believe that. But anyway, um, I lived in Arizona for 25 years. It's a right-to-work state. And at one point, I had to work um, at a grocery store. And the first 
person that spoke to us at our um, orientation meeting was a union rep. And he went through his spiel, and I rolled my eyes, and when they signed, wanted us to sign the paper to join the union, and, oh, we're going to represent you, and you're only going to get a little bit out of your check. And I just pushed the paper aside, and the gentleman across from me pushed the paper aside, and everybody else signed it like a lemming. Yeah. Afterwards, when I talked to coworkers, and they said, you know, I said, well, I didn't join the union. You're like, oh, why not? I said, because I do my job. I won't need a union rep. I don't get fired because I do my job. Well, and Mary. to add insult wait, to add insult to injury, when the union workers wanted to go on strike because they weren't gonna get a hundred percent of their insurance paid by the the company I worked for, I said, No, I don't want to go on strike, I wanna work. They would not allow me to work. Unbelievable, Mary. And by the way, those insurance costs they wanted to get reimbursed for are high because of the very unions that, are, that exist that had the sweetheart deals that disappeared. The irony is unbelievable, and it never ends. 312-642-5600. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck, He's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. And I resist Democrats and Soviets in general is because I've seen what they've done to Illinois. It's more than disheartening. I feel that it has a trajectory of devastation. Catastrophic thump is Illinois' future. I understand we just had a big bond increase, but that's because we are now welfare recipients from other states that are run correctly. So I want to sometimes feel good about things because I... Uh, Still own some property, and I still have a lot of family and friends that I love here. So I brought on Ann Miller. She's a staff writer at the Illinois Policy Institute. How are you, Ann? I'm good, Sean. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. So now, listen, you know I'm uh, very pessimistic about states that are run by organized crime figures. I find it to be laughable that we pretend there's a big scandal and all that happens is these Old gangsters step away and then nothing ever happens. We're not going to hear a thing about Madigan or Fast Eddie Burke or the rest of them. Um, Tell me, 35% of Illinois small businesses closed from a year ago that they admit to. How many are hanging on by their fingernails and how many are existing because of PPP loans that we have no idea how the people are going to pay back? Well, that's right, Sean. Um, Unfortunately, one third or 35% of businesses that we're open last year are still not open today. And what's even more wild is that we're seeing a disparity across sectors. While no sector of the economy has been untouched, um, some have been hurt more than others. We're seeing 50% of small businesses in food services and accommodations, 50% or half of all the leisure and hospitality businesses are struggling, um, including more than 30% of educational health services, transportation. I mean, this is just widespread uh, impact. 
So now that we know that these businesses, for the most part, 35% are out of business, we really don't know how many of the other businesses are existing and paying their taxes. And by taxes, I don't mean the taxes of of selling products and because we still have a massive amount Mm -hmm. of businesses that aren't open. But they're paying property taxes, they're paying their mortgage, and they're paying all of these bills with loans that they received. I have a tendency when I think about the economy to not just look at the shiny light they want me to look at, but to look at it down the road, because that's as speculators, as people who predict how the economy is going to turn out in the future. Can you borrow money, give money away and have it mimic the velocity of money? And how does it end when you're existing and you have existed on printed fake debt? How do you possibly earn your way out of that the entire time paying now new increased taxes as the Biden administration is trying to do? How, how could you possibly overcome it? Well, Sean, let's also remember that even before the pandemic, Illinois was already a really tough place to have a small business. In 2019, we were seeing job losses while the rest of the country was growing going into the pandemic. And so then when you couple that uh, with, the closures and different restrictions that we've seen on businesses. And then now we're considering Pritzker and his most recent budget address has suggested nine new tax sites, one of which will actually hurt tax small businesses that have already lost money during the pandemic. We're really kind of dimming that light on small businesses that are, are doing their best to hang on. I mean, remember they're already struggling to pay their rents. They're struggling to pay their employees and, you know, and I, I know personally from my storytelling work that, you know, you, you get to a point where they're trying to do the calculations, trying to make the numbers add up. And if you don't give them hope by telling them we're going to keep raising these taxes, uh, it's, it's really hard for them to want to muster up the courage to hold on. So now there's nine. I heard you correct. You said nine new tax yeah. hikes. Do you have any specifics or is there has there been any specific information released? What are the nine that we're looking at? Well, they're spread across a variety of things. He, Pritzker, it's interesting when he passed, he's, he's the one who puts some of these tax, these, well, he calls them supposed tax loopholes. And he says that by closing them, we are going to see a, a revenue stream to the government of $1 billion. But so I know, I, I know that when they say tax loophole, what they mean is if you follow the procedures in place to use your money to grow your business, that all of a sudden has become a loophole. I can't stomach the word because it's ridiculousness. Um, the reality is if you're taking money that you're making to expand inventory, to, to grow the business, it's not a loophole, damn it. It's me using money to make the business better. So if if and you hit the nail on the head, Sean. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry that um, yeah, that by you know adding these unnecessary taxes by creating more uh, regulations and different restrictions on small businesses, that's less money that entrepreneurs uh, have in their pockets to be able to reinvest in those businesses. Remember, we found um, in our analysis from one of our senior policy analyst Bryce Hill, that 70% of new job creation comes from these small businesses that have 20 or fewer employees. And so when you're already running a small shop against high property taxes, uh, against a lot of restrictions on how you're allowed to use and invest that money, um, when you're adding this more fuel to the fire, it's, it's really difficult 
pretty small businesses to try to hang on. Aside from from this, we also have the government taking the position of organized unions and mandating and making it a law that over the course of the next five years, small business is going to be forced to pay their least productive, their newest employee, and the one that the business owner has decided, he's my, you know, he, I'm working the kinks out of this guy, so I'm going to allow him to start out at $8 an hour, $7 an hour, and tell him, look, if you straighten your act out, in six months we'll bump you to 10 or we'll bump you to 12. That's all over with. Illinois passed, in fact, didn't they, the minimum wage law, or am I, am I misinformed? Well, Sean, I don't have direct um, knowledge on the specific minimum wage law, but we do have great research by one of our uh, researchers, Miley Smith, about, as you're speaking to, and in, in a lot of the unions and the, the way the unions operate in Illinois, these aren't your grandfather's unions. You know, when you think back to the history of unions, when they were created for factories, now we have you know, a different type of union that are a little bit more politicized and, and taking advantage of different situations, particularly with education, as we've seen in the past few months, in order to kind of pass their agenda and, and leave these children behind. Yes, well, that that law that I asked you about, it actually did it, it did pass, and um, it's mm-hmm. going to be gra- it's going to be graduated over the course of the next five years. And on top of that, with the the hyperbole around new infections for COVID. Um, I'm confused on to how they keep saying the, 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 the cases have gone up, but we're now in the bridge phase. I don't know what the bridge phase is, but to me it looks like we're going to shut down or have the potential to have Pritzker go back and reinforce some of the shutdowns. Is there any murmur of that? Uh, well, I can't speak specifically um, to that, but what we do know is that, um, again, remember, Prior to the pandemic, Illinois was already a really difficult place to have a business. You know, be the policies as they may have occurred for the pandemic, we're still not addressing those key policies. Again, high taxes, the budget crisis in Springfield, which is driving up taxes, not only for small businesses, but for common Illinoisans. Remember, we saw the worst historic job loss in Illinois, or sorry, not job loss, population loss in Illinois, about 80,000. Uh, we lost 80,000 people in our population, even more left the state. Uh, and so, you know, without addressing these key concerns in Springfield with constitutional budget reform or, you know, contacting our lawmakers to tell them we are against new tax hikes that are going to hurt small business, it's, it's just it's going to be really grim. And one of the major um, sections of this that have been devastated is the small leisure and hospitality business. Um, yeah, that's right. Fifty point seven percent of small leisure and hospitality businesses have been closed. We're actually the sixth most in the nation. Um, how does this how does this translate to to um, kind of those quasi public sector operations like McCormick Place? Um, what's the likelihood of there being any sort of bounce back when you have 50% of, of this particular sector go out of business? Uh, what what, what and, happens to that? Remember, Sean, we're talking about 50% of small businesses, so smaller businesses that, you know, had 20 or fewer employees. Um, it's, it's just it's going to be difficult coming 
back from this again without making those structural changes to the way we run our state. We are not a business friendly state, particularly to small businesses, um, because they just don't have the resources. They didn't have the resources in the lines of credit, you know, to be able to pull on like a bigger place or a quasi public institution that like the McCormick place might have had to continue trying to operate or at least come back after the closures. The vacancies in our commercial business, our commercial real estate, are at levels really that I don't think they've ever seen in the last Mm -hmm. 70 years. At the same time that that's happening, the board ups, the vacancies, the delinquencies in rent, those property taxes among those commercial buildings are now kind of starting to begin to implode to kind of a rather startling percentage drop. Mm -hmm. Yet... The, the taxation on those properties has increased over the last year. Is there any talk of any kind of moratorium on, on, on commercial real estate taxes? Is any politician from any side of the aisle addressing these issues? Well, remember, Sean, that um, we already had kind of under, under Madigan's team, I know at Illinois Policy, we've done research on Michael Madigan and the the empire that he built in Illinois. And part of that empire came from, according to our documentary and our research, using his law firm to give tax breaks to these these large commercial businesses on, you know, in the loop that are worth millions of dollars, giving them tax breaks and redistributing those, those tax, the taxes to, um, small business and homeowners. So now how does that work when they go out of business? How's that plan work out and how long before that bridges jump to the, to the residential? Exactly. By distorting the market and the way that they've collected taxations. Now with seeing this implosion, it's going to cost them. It's really going to, it's really going to bring some pain and hurt, which opens the door to hopefully having some reforms in, in these areas in the way that we manage property taxes. And again, just dismantling that empire the Chicago way that they've built over so long. And, and we have some nice, re- some good research at Illinois policy on how to do that, different policies and steps we can take to um, balance the budget over the course of, of several years in a way that doesn't have to result in more tax hikes on Illinoisans. Her name's Ann Miller. She's a staff writer, Illinois Policy Institute. You can check her out at the Illinois Policy Institute. It's .org, isn't it? It's IllinoisPolicy.org. That's right, Sean. Illinois and remember, policy. you can also go on our Take Action, find your legislators, and, and tell them you're against more tax hikes and um, laws that are just going to continue to hurt Illinoisans when we yeah. need it the least. I would, too, Ann Miller, but I'm trying to sell my businesses here in Illinois, and I've already moved to Florida. <laughs> Thank you, though. For the advice and the optimism, I really appreciate it. We're going we're gonna to take your calls, and I want to know this. If you own a business in Illinois, are you going to grow it? Are you optimistic about the future, or are you going to close it? If you know somebody who owns a business, what are they telling you? And if you thought about opening a business but haven't yet, would you even consider it? 312-642-5600. Yeah, that's my kind of night. I love this song. Did you pick this? You don't have enough style to pick this. Um, I will tell you this. The reason I resist this is because we have now adopted the European philosophy of of really kind of the hybrid of government. And yeah, we're going to let you pretend you're not a slave. We're going to let you pretend you have a business. And the reality is these European governments control 
all of the so-called private industries in, in foreign nations throughout Europe. And it's really a sense of hopelessness. Most of us come from these places. Few of us stay in contact with relatives there. But there's a reason that little mom and pop shops uh, don't ever get big. There's a reason they don't scale up. There's no European Walmart. And the reason is, and there's no, by the way, there's no European chain stores. They're, they don't exist. This is the Sean Thompson Show. Yeah, I, I Democrats like are always... If I'm going to be in, interrupted, I definitely want it to be from the Batman guy. So I don't mind that at all. And the reason is, is because the governments in these European nations have stolen the future. They've stolen the opportunity. And in essence, they've stolen your right to grow and to expand and to thrive. That's why uh, uh, bakeries have the same generations that work in them. And uh, it's happening here because the only way you're going to be able to operate small businesses under these kind of rules that Illinois is implementing is if you uh, the labor, the way you circumvent the rules is if your kids work there. So you can't you literally cannot afford to hire employees and pay your rent and pay the inventory. And you slowly you die the slow death of hopelessness. And um, that's the kind of thing Illinois is doing. And that's why I wanted to show Illinois. The government isn't trying to help Illinois small businesses. They're trying to continue to figure out ways to tax them out of existence. And their idea of helping you is to create debt. So you take debt. How in the hell can you grow your way out of this after you've been shut down and you've been you've you've had to take on their rules in how you're going to pay your employees? It cannot work. It does not work. So the people, in my opinion, that would be the future entrepreneurs of Illinois. If they're related to you, if you're helping them, you have to tell them to get the hell out of here. It's not going to work. The plan has no future. And after all, that's not what they want. They're not interested in Soviets and socialists and Marxists and communists. They're not interested in thriving. They're about surviving. They don't want you to grow. They want you to survive at their whim. Teresa in the north side. Hi, Sean. You know, the only way we're going to take back this COVID hijack, because that's what it is, we're being hijacked, is for Americans to take the country back ourselves. I mean, you want to see the the economy recover? Open the businesses. And you know, Teresa, and we have those. We have yep. those examples of the of the states yeah. that didn't bend knee, and yet the difference in the economy and the difference in the rule. The problem I have is that when you look around Illinois and you see the Illinois driving in his car with his two masks on and his face shield, when you see the oh, when God. you see the guy, when you know, I, I have a. A propensity to walk in restaurants and walk in places without a mask on and they go crazy. I, you know, I love the attention myself because yeah. I'm, I'm sick that way. Um, but when you see that among <laughs> your fellow Illinoisans, you know, we're a small group of people that believe like you and me. At what point do you, yeah. do you rec- recognize the futility and say, ah, I'm going to go to these other states? And when that happens, what's the plan for Illinois? And when you see that happen, what is the, where's the Illinois Republican Party? Aside from three clips that I saw of of Jim Durkin, whose brothers are all lobbyists, three clips of him pretending to put up a resistance and the, and Darren Bailey with the lawsuit that went nowhere. Where's the Republican uh, uh, cry to, to, to take your foot off the throat of the Illinois Republican, Illinois businessman? Where is it? Nowhere. Yeah. So when you say we, I think you really do mean me and you. Teresa, you really mean me yeah, and you, because yeah. that's what it feels like. So I, I think you're right. It does. I just don't think there's enough people who think the way we do to make a difference, because the, in Illinois, 
the welfare recipient, the welfare citizen likes to be told what to do. They're comfortable slaves because they think they're in on the deal. Otherwise, how do you explain Chicago voting? I agree with that. And I just don't, I do not understand that mentality. I just, I, it's, to me, I mean, come on, common sense. Do you really want to be ruled yeah, I guess not by a government? And Teresa, you know what? You move to Naples, Florida. You call your favorite real estate broker, part-time radio host, actually full-time radio host now. And uh, we all know where that goes. Mike Ogden Dunes. What's up, Mike? Congratulations on the show, Sean. I want to remind you, I was your second caller a couple summers ago, standing on a roof in Gary, dodging a bullet fire, refixing a roof when I called you. Oh, nice. Hey, that's what we call loyalty. I like that. Got to stay focused yeah, on the phone call. The radio I'm the guy who's the buddies with the cow guy. But I called Thank you to tell you, do you know what every single African-American has had when they went to get their COVID shot and when they went to get their COVID test in the United States? They had an ID. They all got them. They, we don't have any problems with this. We have voter ID. We need everybody to have an ID. They can vote. Well, and a little shout out to everybody in Illinois. Do not move to Indiana. We do not want you. You oh, made bad mistakes. <laughs> Keep it in Illinois. Thank you. Do not like- come to Indiana. We don't like you. We don't need you. We don't want you. Oh. We all hope you drive right down to across- Florida. What? Oh, and easy. Naples and wreck Florida with Sean down there. You're not wrecking it. What happened to Crossroads of America and all that? The, the, the answer to the answer to uh, to to voting, and I've said it a thousand times, is the way in which the world economy works. It's through blockchain technology. It's absolutely perfect. Guarantees who we we all know who it is. But that, 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 that once again lets us let's stop operating under the assumption that we want things to work. Otherwise, we would not be talking about infrastructure bills for high speed rail. The American people don't want it. It's a boondoggle. It's been a boondoggle. Everybody knows it is. Even when the president's crackhead son sits on the board of Amtrak. There's nothing on earth like a genuine bona fide electrified six car monorail. What I say? Monorail. What's it called? Monorail. That's right. Monorail. 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 I hear those things are awfully loud. It glides as softly as a cloud. Is there a chance the trap could bend? Not on your life, my Hindu friend. What about us brain dead slobs? You'll be given cushy job. And that's what it's about. Cushy jobs and money to contributors. 312-642-5600. We'll be back. You know, you learn a lot being forced to grow up when you weren't babied. There wasn't an entitlement section, thank God, or this ideology among people when I was a kid. Thank God. Spoiled, ignorant fools. And that's who's in on the scam. Everyone says, well, why, why do you think it gets so bad? Why would Illinois get so bad? Do you understand the sections of society that have made a killing during this mob-run state we pretend is Illinois? This is the best place to be a gangster or a wannabe gangster or in on the scam. This is where they're making a fortune. There's millions of Illinoisans in on the scam. They love it. See, because somewhere along the last 245 years, greed has become the definition of a man that wants to keep his own money. Instead of the covetous scumbag socialist that wants to vote to have the other guy's money stripped away so he gets a little piece of the pie. In all these mobbed up neighborhoods, there's an expression I love. It's called cut me in or cut it out. Cut me in or cut it out is how you get good people to constantly vote for the Democrat frauds that have destroyed the nation. 
And I remember reading in, in, in the whole thing on Twitter, there were a couple of standouts that pretended to be good guys and they were down with the struggle. There was one in particular who was called the Brooklyn Dad. And Brooklyn Dad was paid for by the DNC. He was a paid for talking head. And that's what the DNC learned is that they could pay for these scumbags. We get them here on the morning show. They go on the YouTube and they constantly spew the, the nonsense. Trump is a criminal, yada, yada, yada. And those are the people, those are the scumbags that allowed and turned a blind eye. Well, this 50 year political whore in diapers that can't utter a sentence through is somehow become and stolen the White House. These are the scumbags that do it. And they're paid nickels and dimes. Here's the good news about a Democrat apparatchik. They're normally political whores that you could buy for pocket change. And they go around and they would, they would uh, uh, really kind of destroy any threat to that structure. In fact, it's the main reason, reason that Tulsi Gibbard had been attacked so vehemently hard from Democrats. Whenever she would appear in the debates, they would slander her on all the social media. In fact, they even got them where they call talk show hosts and they continue to do that. And they always pretend like they're running for change and they're helping the people when the reality is they're just plants that are put there to disparage anything that would change the trajectory in that culture of corruption. The useful idiots we call Democrat voters have become so used to. We got them on our side, too. Did you know that? Oh, absolutely. And that's why the Adam Kinzingers and the Jim Durkins and the, and the Brady's. That's in the LaHoods, thank you. That's how they exist. Because they got their own little apparatchiks who get greased by that corruption that pay to play. So this is what I was thinking of as I read this caller's name. John, in his car, what do you got to say, buddy? <laughs> Remember when Michael told Fredo you broke my heart? Yes. If you start jumping on this Ray Bine bandwagon, that's what I'm going to have to say to you. Did you happen to listen? Now, I didn't know he was on your show yesterday. but He was on my show yesterday. This morning? Yeah, did you listen to him No, I, I, listened, I listened to him last night. I didn't listen this morning. Okay, all right. Well, I don't know about your show, but not once did the guy mention liberty, freedom. Well, I'm going to... all the talking points. Well, John, okay? when I, I, you better, I talked to him yesterday, and I'd like you to go listen okay. to my show when I interviewed him, because that's what he spoke of. And I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a little inside track on him. I had the privilege of meeting the guy. Now, let me tell you something. You want to know what I think, what I really think, and what I tried to tell him yesterday? I think that he's too good for this state and he should take his 11 companies and he should take his money and he should get the hell out of here because he's the exact opposite of every Illinois Republican that's in this state. The Illinois Republicans love second place. John, I, I understand the, 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 the innuendo of your call, but I'm going to tell you, and I like you. You've called before. I like you a lot. You're wrong on this one. Please go back on YouTube and review my show and listen to him. He's twice the guy than anybody that should be running in, in, in Illinois as a Republican. Because what we're used to in Illinois as a Republican is scumbags like this. So, you know, obviously January 6th was a pretty bad day. And it's one thing to look back on it and say, okay, well, and then, but in the last three weeks, we've seen the party kind of turn. Gee, who's this genius? Who's this articulate genius, genius that represents the Illinois Republicans and the Republican Party in general? Well, this is little Adam Kinzinger, a child who did nothing in life, yet he's a congressman. And do you think he's losing here in Illinois? Do you think this fraud of a human being is going to lose? 
away and look back towards Donald Trump again and say this is going to be Trump's majority. And I've just said, you know, that's not what the Republican Party I signed up for was. The Republican Party I signed up for always put the nation before the party. It was about opposition. Put the nation before the party. Do you know that this fraud of a human being just raised more than a million dollars in an anti-Trump pack? This congressman who ran as a Tea Party member, who has voted with Nancy Pelosi 35% of the time, one out of three votes that this scumbag casts is with Nancy Pelosi and the squad. There's an Illinois Republican. Here's another Illinois Republican, former Obama cabinet member. Gee, we had an Illinois Republican that was a cabinet member for Obama? That doesn't sound right. Oh, wait a minute. It's Ray LaHood. He served as the transportation secretary under former President Barack Obama. Well, he's admitted to federal prosecutors that he uh, intentionally did not report a $50,000 loan he received from a Lebanese Nigerian businessman. Ray LaHood, an Illinois Republican, gets a $50,000 loan from a Lebanese Nigerian businessman. Hmm. And he didn't tell anybody about it. Kinzinger had Victoria's real secret, Carl Rove, man's man, another champion parallel parker in the forest preserves. He came into town and they raised a million dollars in a pack. There you go. There's your Illinois Republicans. Optimism. It was about a future that, you know, people could believe in and not this dark, divisive past we've had. And uh, that's what's been the inspiration. You know, right now, nobody is presenting, uh, frankly, that view that I've had so many Republicans tell me they were desperate for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. And that was going to be one of my questions. Uh, who's backing you on this? Um, and do you feel like you have enough support? You're already facing criticism for voting for impeachment. Some people calling for your center. Um, they're not happy that you asked the vice president to invoke the 25th Amendment. Do you believe you have backing and are you worried your constituents are going to vote you out of office? So I certainly know I have a ton of backing and, and we're seeing that. And I want to be clear that this movement isn't about fundraising. This isn't about any no. kind of a pack. In fact, no. I've just been using my leadership pack that I've had for a while. Wait, he's got a leadership pack. So he's a congressman and he's got a pack. And he just said, as I read in Fox 32, that in the first three months, from January to now, he's brought in $2.2 million. $2.2 million in the first three months this year. Illinois wow, but this is about actually giving people a voice and trying yeah. to show people that, look, yeah. A, here's what the Republican Party was built on. Here's what we're going to be. Here's what we believe in. And also, here's a home for you, and we can build candidacies around the country. In terms of me, look... I mean, first off, people have threatened primaries against me since I've been in office. That's the new thing, right? It's the new GOP cancel culture. If you don't fit right in line with what somebody says Donald Trump wants, uh, they're going to primary you. So, fine. Um, I've won every time. All I'm going to do is what's right. Yeah. And I'm a big believer that the chips will fall where they may. And if I don't win a reelection, uh, I can look. He'll just be a lobbyist like he is now, part time. That's what happens to these scumbags. So a guy like Raybine, who's made his money honestly through multiple companies, growth, capitalism, success, he's too damn good for this state. That's my biggest beef with him. Not that he's selling anything. He doesn't believe in liberty. He believes in exactly that. And it'll never sell in this corrupt sewer where this is the idea of the opposition to corruption. This corruption. That's your two choices. Which corruption do you like? In off the rack from Marshalls? Or do you prefer... The Brooks Brothers of Adam Kinzinger. 312-642-5600. 
Nice pull, kid. That is the fastest two hours of my day. I, I've got to lobby for another hour. See? That's greedy right there. You get two, you want three. Can't help it. I'm a, I'm a rabid capitalist. Sick American. I believe in all the principles that we were told we had, and I'm watching be destroyed. So I have, uh, I want to really chew up Fauci on this Johnson & Johnson, but I'm going to tell you what, it's a disservice to you. So I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to save it for tomorrow. So what we're going to do now are articles that I build, and I'm going to steal a Russiaism in my stack of stuff, because Misty does such a great job here that uh, I have all these articles, and I don't get to go through them because I only have two hours. We're going to work on a third. But I found these headlines interesting. As Cuomo sought $4 million book deal, AIDS hid the damaging death toll from not just COVID, but from the decision to move people into old people homes. There's some good thinking. Don't worry, don't let that screw up your $4 million uh, book deal. Pressure builds for MLB to pull All-Star Game from Atlanta due to voting passing. You know, we actually have uh, that doddering old dimwit that we call a president. We got him uh, talking about this. What do you think about the possibility that baseball decides to move their All-Star Game out of Atlanta because of this political issue? I think today's professional athletes are acting incredibly responsibly. There you go. I would strongly support them doing that. The very people who are victimized the most are the people who are the leaders in these in these various sports. Yeah. And it's just not right. Yeah. This is Jim Crow on steroids. Yeah. When I think of victims from uh, uh, voting and the issues with corrupt voting, I think of the, the heads of the uh, 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 ath- athletes and the, the heads of all of the athletic unions. And in fact, I think of professional sports in general. And that's why the best thing about pro sports is my producer who's working the organ at the Cubs game. And I would never watch a, a, a pro sports or a collegiate athletic event ever. That's my problem. Because I believe that this is the most dangerous time we've been in. And I remember when we had a president who was a man, even though he was old at the time, he was a man, not this diaper wearing dimwit. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose that war and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers. Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee, a businessman who had escaped from Castro. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on Earth. Remember that as you watch this diaper-wearing dimwit give it away. Remember that as you hear it get advice from the people who voted for him.